0: I guess maybe three years ago was the last time we did
1: this. Yeah, back last time I talked to you, you were running, you were like a madman. You were running Magnus and a bloodthirster and somehow making like the, I think you made the top eight or came real close to the top eight. I I
0: was one game short. uh, That's uh, me and Snyder talk about that to this day. I lost to Mike Snyder on top table in the sixth round for the cutoff. Uh, And we were, we were number one, number two overall. And we were both like vastly ahead of the field. So, we know whichever of us won that game was going to make top eight and not have to play in the cutoff round and uh okay. and yeah, that was when the uh, it wasn 't the bloodthirster to let me down it was well dice in general, but it was the uh, it was the demon prince to let me down in that game
1: uh, that 's brutal well i mean it's the game has evolved quite a lot since
0: then yes, a little I mean. different since then
1: <laughs> so i don 't know quite where we get into get into things here because obviously you 've been involved um, quite a bit like with the playtesting, with the new codex. Um, so obviously you've kind of seen things from before the rest of us really got our hands on it and knew what was coming. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe my, my first question is to kind of go back to like the beginning of things and kind of what were your thoughts when you first got your hands on, you know, a bit of the new rules and, you know, started actually running the army it, during the playtesting process?
0: Well, it's It's been long enough now that I I, <laughs> I honestly can't say much of what that process even felt like because uh, I'll say it was early in the process. I, I don't think I can give exact timetables, but uh, it was a while ago by now. Uh, I always joke with people that if a playtester or I guess a playtester wouldn't, but if someone says they talked to a playtester and said, hey, I know what book's coming out next, don't listen to them because the playtesters don't know when things are coming out because I thought we would have this book a while ago. So that's a uh, that's a long time ago when the actual playtesting was happening and a lot of books have happened since then. The main thing I the the biggest comparison I make is that uh, obviously we were doing Grey Knights around the same time because they knew even at the time that they'd be coming out as a paired release. Right. Um, the the easiest comparison I can give is that I don't remember anything at all from that Grey night book. <laughs> Like even <laughs> okay. right now, like when I go to tournaments and like I'm judging or playing and Grey Knights come up, I'm like, I don't remember anything from that book because the only reason I remember things from the, the Thousand Sons book is because I've been waiting to play it. Like every now and then I would just start from scratch and write a list based on what the meta was doing and the time between when this book got finalized and when it actually came out. I'm like, oh, well, if I have to play against Death Guard, I should play this. And then like three, four months later, I'm like, well, if I have to play against Admech, I should play this. And I still didn't have the book. But in the meantime, all my knowledge of that Grey Knight book disappeared. Like, I don't remember anything at all. I'm, like, constantly pulling up that Grey Knight book going, hmm, I tested this at the same time as the Thousand Sons book, but I don't remember any of this.
1: So it seems like it's, like, this nebulous kind of, like, they'll just throw some rules at you and say, okay, we're thinking this. What do you think? To a degree. And, it's There is yeah. a structure to it,
0: but sometimes you get off-the-wall inquiries like that. And I think I get it more than some because I – I work nights and the Games Workshop team's obviously in England and they know I'll respond to an email in like 10 minutes at 3 a.m. And it goes both directions. I'll send emails to the rules guys at 3 a.m. and be like, hey, is this how this is supposed to work? We need to know for our test list this weekend. And they'll usually respond to me pretty quickly.
1: Oh, that's pretty awesome. Um, Well, what were your, let me say this, what were your first impressions when, with the Thousand Suns and the new army? Obviously... I can go back to episodes of the podcast that Mike and I did where we just basically went through like a litany of things where it was like, you know, (laughs) it would be great to have AP two combi bolters on our vehicles. And Hey, guess what? We've got that. And things like, um, you know, having just a a bland five plus plus or a five up in across the army would be great. And that would be very ZG. And, you know, I kind of looked at this codex and I was like, this is pretty awesome. This is, this is a lot of really good ideas. So what was your impression on it?
0: Well, that was, that was part of what was fun because you, you got me into the Discord around that same time. And I was getting to watch people make their guesses, like their wish list guesses, and uh-huh. how many of them were accurate. Because I feel like that's one of the big things they've done is tried to build like a niche, uh, like a, a theme for each army. And they, I think they did really well in this book. Um, like, like you said, like commie bolters on vehicles, that's something that makes a whole lot of sense and doesn't require like a model to be changed. And they're really open to stuff like that. Like a lot of times their hands are tied by models because those have been in production for two years by the time the rules are made. I don't know. I, that's even a guess. Like it it might be longer than that. Like somebody has got to dream up this model and get it approved and then actually physically make it and then start Mm -hmm. the process of producing it physically. And at some point along that line, we get told to make rules for it but like we can't be like hey what if a new weapon was invented by the time it gets to play test we we don't have right. that option but right. things like that like hey could we have ap2 bolters on the vehicles like that kind of stuff they're really responsive to because as long as it makes sense for the faction and mm-hmm. can be done they're usually very good about it it's more about oh, just like a- okay then we got to find a points cost how do we make this fair blah blah
1: oh that's awesome
0: I'll say yeah, the I... the big one that was making my day through the through the wish list portion of the of the discord was every time somebody made a guess about the terminators they'd usually they'd usually guess low and then go oh no they can't give us that that's too good like people like the two <laughs> damage two damage swords came up once a day in that discord for a while people yep. were like no they can't they can't give us two damage swords that's they won't that's impossible that. <laughs> that that's that's too good like death guard didn't get that why would we get that and the one nobody ever even guessed was obsec like that was that was the shoe that never dropped yeah. nobody even thought we would get the objective secured on those guys
1: no i mean i remember talking with colin mcdade and i was like colin just like if you just had carte blanche with these dudes like how would you make them good And I think he literally nailed exactly the stats. Like, he was like, (laughs) give them plus one to strength, give them damage to power, or yeah, damage to power swords um, with plus one to strength. And that would have been like, yeah, you know what? They'll be like rock stars at that point, especially if they get plus one to wound. And then it was like, or plus one to their wounds. And then on top of that, like you said, they throw OBSEC in there, and suddenly these things are just. I mean like all of the lists that I'm seeing in the in the tournaments right now have some form of terminators in there. Like I I was probably a naysayer early on and I feel like everybody was just like you are wrong, these things are amazing. <laughs> and the moment I played them on the table I'm like, yes, I was wrong. These things are amazing. They don't die.
0: Yeah, I think it was it, it was clear to us very early that that was going to determine whether or not the Codex was competitively viable was the terminators. And I mean Death Guard kind of went down the same road, but Death Guard, uh, where people are sometimes now retroactively going, well, why don't Light Lord Terminators have OPSEC? And it's like, well, Death Guard have the upside of that character bubble. Like the Death Guard mm-hmm. character bubble is still wildly powerful. Like the Foul Blight Spawn in particular, but the Foul Blight Spawn, the Tally Man, like all these things that a lot of codexes either have to use as stratagems or as psychic power, something that has a failure case. Death Guard are just like, we bought a guy that just does that like the tally man just goes yeah plus one to hit we don't have to cast prescience or presage we just we just get it a free free uh command point each turn probably like 75 percent of the time we'll take that free command point like that's what the character blob does and i was playing up until atlantic city in the the warp time nerf i was playing mortarian and 10 blight lords and that was always their problem though was they did what they did very well but they couldn't get where they needed to do it. (laughs) They were moving five inches a turn. And the way you would usually win a game with them is some Space Marine player would pick Oath of Moment and go, well, I have to be in the middle of the board. And you'd get a turn one or two turn two charge, which they're not thinking about the concept of that's more than doubling their movement for the turn. It's not like, Uh oh, some guys charged me. It's instead of being five inches from my deployment zone shooting bolters, they're now charged to the middle of the table, consolidated, piled in, or beyond midfield because you went to the middle to score two points right and as soon as people realize you shouldn't do that those terminators stopped mattering to a degree like it was you can't you can only get as much value out of Blight lords as the opponent allows you to do realistically
1: i had actually not played against the new death guard codex until lso and it wasn't until it wasn't actually until my last opponent at lso um, and what was great about it is usually in a, in a big tournament like that, you're not playing by your last round, you're, you're basically playing someone that from a skill level is probably right on par with you. Like, you know, the, you win or lose depending on how you're playing and how your army is designed. You're probably playing someone who's, you know, within that same, I guess, bracket or whatever at the very last, uh, round. And that is exactly how that felt. And that was one of the things I noticed right away and my first impression playing them was the fact that his his army couldn't move anywhere. Yeah, And I just basically sat, I was able to basically take like two sides of the table, just divide it and say, I'm going to take this half of the table and it's going to take him the whole game to get over here to me. And the stuff that does get over there, I'm just going to be able to like kill one at a time as it gets there. And that's exactly how it unfolded. Um, and you know, I I think to the to the fact that the blight lards are incredibly killy, um, but them I think it's the Death Shrouds as well that have the. Um, uh, or Is it the Blight Lords that have the Flails or the Death Shroud that have the Flails?
0: The Blight Lords can take the Flails, but the, the Death Shrouds don't really need them because they can just do the split attacks. Like, the Death Shrouds are wildly more killy, but they have other limitations.
1: So, I forget which one it was, to be completely honest, but I knew that they once they get into a combat with you, it's I mean, it's almost game over because they just do <laughs> so many mortal wounds and things like that. And, you know... Th- I, I really appreciated though the fact that it was incredibly. I was playing World Eaters. It was incredibly hard to kill his stuff, and to me that felt like I'm really fighting Deathstrap or or Death Guard yeah, here. Like,
0: like they are slow. They're gonna get here. Can I do anything about it between now and then? <laughs> like that's right, exactly. that's what it should feel like to play that army, and they kind of nailed it.
1: And I felt the same way about the Thousand Suns Codex. Like the first couple games I was playing with it, I was like. This feels way better, and even my first impression reading through the codex, I was looking at the structure of the rules, and the thing that has really stuck out about me about the the design of the whole book has just simply been that if the meta changes, this book has tools no matter what the meta does. Like, okay, if we go to knights, there's stuff in this book. Like, hey, maybe I pull Magnus back out of the you know back off the shelf. Um, you do so many mortal wounds with the army that there aren't a ton of defenses against it. And then to see gray Knights, uh, to go through a couple matches with gray Knights and just see how hard it is for both armies to actually play into each other. It's kind of like, it's just naturally an awesome game, no matter who your opponent is, because it's, it's like this chess match of, well, I've got to stay out of denial range because he gets plus one to deny, but then I've got plus one to cast. And You know it's just kind of like this back and forth that you you realize how intentional some of the design rules are here it's it's i mean it's fantastic i think they i think this codex the new thousand suns codex feels like one of the best codexes they've written this edition at least in my opinion
0: yeah and i feel like a a lot of the the frustration with thousand suns beforehand was that kind of the trade-off for being what i call a true supplement in this edition like the the Marine books are now, I guess they're termed as supplements, um, but they they all rely on the main Space Marine Codex, whereas now Thousand Suns Death Guard are what Space Marine supplements used to be. They they don't mm-hmm. use the Chaos Space Marine book. They are their own book. Um, but the restriction of that is we don't get access to the whole book. We have right. like we have like people say like five or six units realistically and then a couple borrowed demon engines and that's about it. But the psychic phase adds so much of that and it feels like they finally did right by us on that front like the the ritual mechanic is what i was most happy about like going into this like i i always joke that i would have a couple more trophies on my wall if i could have ever chosen to just not fail warp time (laughs) right like and that's the thing they they made the psychic phase reliable but not in an oppressive way not in like a go back a few editions where it was just leadership tests and it was just a given that you would pass all your checks or like eldar who just have a full re-roll from like a runes of the farseer mm-hmm. it's it's not that it is the reliability is given to the player as a resource they must expend which is a very clean and gamey way to do it and that's yep. how it should feel like we can go oh well i need to cast this power over there but i don't want to put that guy at risk so i'll add six inches to the spell this turn like those are all things that can individually change a game, but you can't do all of them every turn. You have to sit there and puzzle out which ones will be the best.
1: And it felt like looking at the psychic powers that there's a, it feels like at least to me that there's a clear movement away from share, sharing a lot of these things, just as you were saying, like with the codexes, they they already have shut down the work time nerf, obviously. Um, So you're, you're not going to have a lot of scenarios where, Hey, I could bring thousand sons and warp time, a bunch of other stuff because, well, guess what? You can't, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> um, but it, it feel what I like about it is that it, it's kind of the writing on the wall that, that a lot of the other armies are going to get more like tailored stuff for them that they probably deserve rather than like, Oh, well, I've got to bring thousand sons for, you know, death Hex and warp time and presage and, you know, glamor and, you know, on and on the list goes of all the psychic powers and stuff. Um, But I also like, I I mean, Rubric Marines was a very good example of that where I don't know that everybody has picked up on the fact that Rubric Marines now outside of Thousand Suns will not have a five up and vulnerable save because in their profile, (laughs) they don't have that built into them anymore. Like they get their five up and vulnerable from the, the Legion trait, which I thought was like very, very clever.
0: Yeah. And honestly it, it probably goes back further than that in in the minds of the designers. Uh, I wasn't involved in the playtesting that far back, but you can go all the way to, uh, it was middle 8th, I think, is when they they separated the Eldar factions. They said, hey, if you bring Dark Eldar and Harlequins, they can't benefit from Doom. You can't cast Guide on them. Like The Warp Time nerf is basically that copy-pasted into Chaos Marines. It just took a little longer. And it was, uh, it, in my mind at the time when it came out, it was very clearly in preparation for the thousand suns book but then we had to wait another three months to actually get the book (laughs) but i thought like because again they don't tell us the release schedule when we got that uh that warp time nerf i was like oh we're gonna get thousand suns like this weekend or like next weekend (laughs) i was wrong but that was my hope at the time i was like oh they want to make sure we can't warp time magnus because obviously you can't warp time in his his own book
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that kind of that kind of burned a little bit i will say that (laughs) i mean the fact that he can't be warp timed anymore but I think it's fair the fact that he is a little more tanky, maybe not Yeah, maybe he, not what everybody wants that's, okay. that's that's
0: obvious. He he relies so much on the meta being in a certain way, and with AdMek being around, the meta is not that way right now. Like there could be a circumstance, like you said, where we might want Magnus. But right now it's definitely a no for the the high end competitive tables. But I mean, you can still play him. He's not bad. He's just not uh He's not on Morty's level, and then Morty is just not efficient. I, I think like everyone can still look at Morty's data sheet and go, oh, this is crazy, uh-huh. but because of how a Death Guard army works, he's not efficient right now.
1: You know what the, the you know what I see them as is really good at is like if you want to start the army, they're really good at being not necessarily a crutch, but I guess maybe this is kind of a mean way of saying it, but more like training wheels where yeah you can but like you an can intro put that almost in. yeah it's hard for an opponent to deal with a Primarch. Yeah. Or a demon primark, like even Morty or Magnus, they're both like when you know when when you look at your opponent and they know they have that. Even if I'm facing it in a mirror match, I know that's a problem. I I have to have some way of solving the Magnus problem. Most armies, unfortunately, you know, like you were saying at the t- at the top levels, they just have that built in. They have yeah they're, they're, the have the D three so plus shots. three
0: weapons are a nightmare for him. Obviously, like oh, they right. gave him minus one damage, but right now people aren't running those weapons. Like there for a while, Morty was doing great. Like when I was running Morty at Atlantic City, that was still, that was the week before tournaments started allowing the Admech book. So we were still in the Dark Eldar meta and that was pre Nerf Dark Eldar. But everyone's reaction to Dark Eldar other than just losing to Dark Eldar was to start running weapons that are efficient against Raiders because you had to get them out of their Raiders. That was the whole problem. And that's the autocannon stat line. That's, mm-hmm. that's exactly what you want to open a Raider is the autocannon stat line. And the autocannon stat line is real terrible against Mortarian, <laughs> like like yeah. it's the worst possible thing to shoot at him. And so as most of that army, like Terminators with minus one damage and Toughness eight Mortarian with minus one damage, like you, you could literally shoot ninety of those at him, and he's not going to care. So he was slotting in well because people were preparing for Dark Eldar, and then he's good against the stuff that's good against them. And he was also not terrible against Dark Eldar. Like you have to pi- like body pile him with Incubi to get rid of him, right. and. Even them, like minus one damage is cutting them in half. Like, he's good against those things. So we could end up in a situation where Magnus has a moment in the in the meta here eventually.
1: So what's your take, you know, meta-wise? I mean, obviously, the, the big things we're seeing that do really good, uh, Admech, Dark Eldar, Sisters, um, those those are all kind of like those those top armies where they, like, Sisters will win the trade war with you. Um, Dark Eldar, very much the same way, where you've got to crack open the raiders. I, I feel like it's kind of like th- that, and then even now, orcs. Orcs have a few combination of lists that are not terrible for us uh, because we have mortal wounds and and you know a lot of decently good AP stuff. And and I think I've seen you kind of comment the fact that the the minus one dra- damage stratagem that we can use actually does wonders against a lot of the buggies.
0: Yeah. What do the you, the yeah. the thing that I think we've seen here recently is it seems that sisters have fallen off a cliff for whatever reason. <laughs> like and that's good for us. We don't want that matchup. Like Yeah. The Melta's
1: it just it's awful, right? Yeah.
0: Like they're they're losing their targets. Like the Admec players are dropping their chicken walkers and then maybe they'll have a couple of planes and then the buggies are buggies like you you don't want to be shooting multi meltas into orc buggies because they're not ultra efficient into it they are still like a 90 point model 80 on some of them it's like oh okay we killed one squad maybe of those 80 point buggies because then you're looking at swingy damage rolls like you're you're not going to one shot many of them so you're looking at two multi-meltas to go through and they might have an invul save like there's not a lot of efficient targets for them right now and that's the big sister's standout thing is multi-meltas and then it's like well once you get into that trading game which is what they were really good at As soon as the Admech armies shifted away from Skatari into Sicarians, it went, oh, well, the Admech are actually even better at this than the sisters. (laughs) The the Sicarians will trade midfield with you better than the sisters' wheel. so everybody just dropped their sisters, it seems like.
1: So meta-wise, it kind of puts us in kind of a weird position where we're we're still, like in my opinion, I'm getting ready to go to Austin here, so I'm I'm probably going to see you there. what what i'm looking at is is the fact that i might not have to design a solution for admac and and potentially dark eldar just from the from the standpoint of the fact that maybe i don't maybe i just have the tools to deal with everybody else and it's not worth sacrificing everything to try and answer a couple of those armies
0: i think for us if if you're going to leave a blind spot which sometimes you have to like yeah. generally speaking outside of really really gross unhealthy metas like we had seventh and end of eighth there for a while like you generally can't design a list that is good against everything there are some games where you go either well i hope things go my way or the other guy makes a mistake i think for us that's probably dark eldar right now like i think we match up actually surprisingly good into the orcs and then Admech is playable. We we have good defensive stats against a lot of their stuff. Like most of that stuff, other than the AP3 on the uh, Sicarians, mm-hmm. doesn't want to be killing Terminators. Like it's low output Laz cannons. Uh, like I said, people aren't playing the, the three Chicken Walker squads as much right now. So it's it's mostly low output on the, the Laz cannons and then really low AP shooting and a lot of damage one that doesn't want to be fighting into us. But then Dark Eldar is Dark Eldar. Like that's that's the big problem for us uh people can go watch from last weekend uh joni who Mm -hmm. made top four actually had to play brad chester and then after he lost to brad chester had to play james killing but the only two dark eldar players who made top 16 and they were both crushing losses like
1: it really just came down to board control right yeah they take the board and then what do you do
0: yes like i think a my, my Thousand Suns list could maybe kill two Raiders in a shooting phase, like if I get a good angle where I can see two, and it's mostly just the Terminators. I mean, I'm mostly talking about a fully buffed 10-man Terminator squad. Could maybe kill two, maybe with a little sprinkle damage from the Psychic phase. His, his list, though, Joni's had two, two Volkites. It had, a, uh, it had a Plasma Volkite, and it had a, a Triple Plasma, Triple Ecto uh, Forge Feed. So he had a ton of shooting.
1: He had but, the answers to it, right? The, yeah. Th- those are like the the things that would pop raiders left and right.
0: Yeah. The problem is going to be on most tournament boards, you can't see the five raiders that you could right. mathematically kill on a spreadsheet. Like you can see the two that they're willing to give up this turn, and you do need to be able to kill those two, otherwise you're in a whole different problem. Like some of the, the white scars lists get into where they're like, Oh, we literally can't get you out of the, the boxes. Like mm-hmm. we can do it, but you generally get one turn of fighting against Dark Eldar in the midfield. And then on the following turn, they just swarm you. Like they are mm-hmm. in your backfield, the board flips, and there's nothing you can do about it.
1: And it makes it tough with the fact that it's lots of small units and lots of Raiders because you could, like I remember in 8th edition, you could surround vehicles and just make it completely impossible for them to get out, especially Raiders. Um, I, had, I had one poor guy that uh, brought a uh, uh, Tantalus, and he loaded it up with a d- bunch of stuff. And I just took like 30 Zangors, surrounded the thing, like smited it, and then just charged it and popped it. And at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, so like your 600 points of dudes inside there can't get out, they're dead. And it was like, I'm sorry, but that's that's the disembark rules. And, and in now, this edition
0: with the stratagem, like you can't even reliably do that. Like one of those units will just spend a command point and get out anyways.
1: Exactly. So I don't, I don't know if it's kind of, we have to sit and wait for Raiders to get more expensive for that to kind of get shut down, or...
0: I think they need to lose some efficiency on the units. Like you said, it's, it's these five-man units that are just terrifying. Like, if they get into your backfield, characters are yeah. dead, your, your objective holders are dead. Like, Rubrics, weirdly, are very resilient to it. Anything but Incubi. But uh, most things that get touched by Witches or Incubi uh-huh. and the Court of the Archon just die. Like, and there's, there's nothing to be done about it there. The one thing you can do though, that I, I actually did in a test game. Like when we got together to press practice for Vegas teams, you can still use surrounding transports as a delay. Like what, what you can do. Cause actually uh, uh, it was when I was testing uh, the Bella Corps army of renown. And it's one of the things mm-hmm. I really liked about the Bella Corps army of renown is somebody deploys in such a way where they're out of line of sight, hiding all their Raiders or most of their Raiders. They're usually bunched up. And I did something to a friend of mine where he had three Raiders basically stacked on top of each other. And I just sent a Bloodletter bomb over there. And I was like, okay. And he was like, well, can Bloodletters kill three Raiders? And I went, God, I hope not. And then I just surrounded all three of them. And that's fine because now he can't get out that turn because you still have to get out before you move. So that's a turn where those yeah. three Raiders contents aren't bothering me. And I can play with the knowledge that they won't be involved that turn. So you can still surround... It's just the tactics have changed it's not surround and kill to destroy the contents it's surround and explicitly please do not kill that transport to delay the contents
1: interesting i hadn't thought about that that's yeah, actually and you could potentially do that i mean blood letters help zangors you could take 220 man zangors and there are ways i mean dark you can crystal them up and then you could um you could find a way to like i don't know web wave one the, the following turn and maybe just put enough of them up there i don't know if 20 will do it but
0: yeah anything that you can i mean it's it's not super hard to get a surround on it i i think 15 zangors could surround a raider pretty pretty easily yeah it's just uh it's obviously the the measurement is long and you have to make sure you block enough that they can't get five models out and blah blah but if you can do it like again because you're not aiming to kill the transport anymore it doesn't matter what you do it with like it could be cultists for who cares like it's anything cause, i mean it's not like a raider is going to bother you with its overwatch it's just get around the raider and now that's a thing you don't have to think about this turn. like they are there they cannot get out give yourself some breathing room and that's that's what it comes down to like i talked to Joni five minutes after he lost to chester and i was giving him my sales pitch i've given many people on the 30 cultists <laughs> like the 30 cultists are my baby right now as much as i hate playing cultists like Uh, At the the very end of 8th, I was playing a goofy list with like 80 cultists and a Corn Lord of Skulls, and I got so tired of them, but now they're back out. Like, I have this 30 cultist blob because that's the piece of tech that I see that at least gives us a chance against Dark Eldar Uh because they're not good at killing little trash five-point models without getting out of their raiders. And that at least can blunt that first wave, which normally, like I said, that first wave hits you, takes away a lot of your offense. And then the second wave is in your backfield. If we can make it where the first wave is just chewing up cultists, then we might get to react to the first wave and still have our army intact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I'm glad you just jumped into that because you mentioned cultists in there and I'm I was thinking, well, you've, you've been selling, at least in our Discord server, you've been selling the 30 man cultist.
0: Ironically, the first time I got to test it was against Naden, and then Naden right. wasn't playing Raiders. Naden was playing 10 Venoms, which are oh, actually man. pretty good at killing cultists. So he didn't have to get out at all and just killed all my cultists and then went into my Terminators.
1: Well, we've had our. I've had my. Uh, I've had kind of. A mixed bag of Dark Eldar in our in our local Houston meta because we have Nathan Fennel who runs the he he runs the Venom oriented list and I think he lost to Maiden in Texas uh, and then we have um, Matthew who's who's pretty highly ranked in in Dark Eldar and he runs more of the traditional like Raider style list and um, that's that's more the one that I have a harder problem with than the Venoms the Venoms seem a little bit easier to to pop. And even though, even if you're going to play more of the movement blocking game, duplicity gives you the ability to just kind of jump around. And a single venom doesn't screen out as much as you'd think, you, you yeah. Can find, I, you can find the, spots to get in.
0: The one note from Vegas, other than having to play against Naden, and he's obviously the best at what he does, like mm-hmm. the terrain was not good for me because I couldn't keep my chaos spawn alive, and those. Those now damage to poison shots from the Venoms just awful. basically yeah. picked up my, my Chaos Spawn for free because I, I literally didn't have any obscuring terrain on my side of the board. And it was it was that player place terrain, but it is player place terrain where it is all covered in windows. Oh, yeah. So it was like, yeah, if his Dark Eldar army doesn't move at all, then he technically can't see my Chaos Spawn. Oh, look, he had a movement base. He can see all of them. And like two Venoms pick up five Chaos Spawn almost or make them irrelevant. And those guys should be doing a ton of heavy lifting in that matchup. Like, a buffed unit of Chaos Spawn will kill practically as many Venoms as they can touch each turn. And instead, I was having to shoot and psychic power them all down. So that, that was the one thing that didn't go my way at all. But I still think it's, it's probably, in my opinion, our hardest matchup right now is any form of Dark Eldar.
1: Yeah, it's just their movement and their board control is something that makes it, uh, on our end, that is not something we... Or well, Thousand Suns don't don't do very well. Yeah. Unless you get to go first and you can Risen Rubrique or you know, warp time something up the field or duplicity your vortex beast up into their face. Like
0: Yeah, and we we kinda have an edge against the other big meta armies. Like like sisters, obviously we get into the weirdness of the five up deny and it's like, oh mm-hmm. God, what am I gonna get? What am I not gonna get? But mm-hmm we have the edge of, well, our army's basic weapon is an AP2 bolter, which is really good against the toughness three model and power armor. So like mm-hmm. we, we have an edge there. Like I, I think the joke I made ages ago was you bring an infernal master for that reason. Like you have some buffs that aren't psychic base that you can always rely on. You just go, I'm going to cast better bolters. <laughs> and yeah. you go you go about your day with just shooting them. And then against ADMEC, so much of their efficient output is damage one like all those skatari are damage one you put some terminators in cover like now you're gonna have a good day until the Skatari or the Sakarians show up but like we have an edge in both of those matchups and like i said the orcs uh, it's a lot of low ap shooting it's a lot of stuff that gets completely nerfed by minus one damage flanks but then dark eldar we don't really i don't feel like we have an edge in that matchup and their speed just tears us apart
1: well let me ask you from a design standpoint is that is that the kind of matchup where like we should have an answer to win that match that just by the state of things right now it it just needs to be are we just in a in like a nerf dark eldar kind of situation to to get to a point where we have a chance or is it more um that's just kind of like like they're our natural counter in the game even though we might say hey gray knights are supposed to be our natural counter
0: I'd say it's 50-50. I mean, they're like, conceptually, they don't want the game to boil down to rock, paper, scissors, but there's just, on the other side, conceptually, some things that will do better against some things than others. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I kept telling people that like, if Horde Orcs ended up being good, that wouldn't be great for us because like, any Horde, I guess it doesn't have to be Orcs, but like, uh, when we finally get like, Tyranids or Imperial Gar, like, our army pays a premium for things like AP two bolters and a bunch of mortal wounds. And who cares about those if they're hitting termagants or a guardsman? Like those are inherently worse against armies with cheap models. Yeah. And Dark Eldar have a bunch of cheap models. So they should have a bit of an edge there. They clearly don't care about the AP except maybe like uh, Incubi. Um, So they are conceptually an army that should have a bit of an edge to us. But yes, uh, we all know that some of their things should go up five, 10% in points and there should be a couple fewer squads on the table and that would help. But yeah, they, they feel like an army that should be good against us to a degree. And they also like, it's not one of these armies that like wants to have one Psyker doing some important buffs in the background that we can then screw over. Like they, they don't really interact with the things that we are good at. And it's just the speed. The speed is, is just cuts our legs out from under us.
1: So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about Zangors. (laughs) Uh, Because speed is something that they're supposed to do with enlightened. Um, They're in a little bit of a weird spot. So I've, I've personally tried the Spear Enlightened a couple times. Um, they seem—it seems like most people have now just gotten to the point where they're saying, "Look, if I take them, I'm taking them in the three-man unit, and all they're there to do is just rush up and hold an objective at some point. Like, just go grab that objective for a turn and hold it." Um, is it the kind of thing where it's kind of like, "Look, this is this is." rubric marine scarab occult this is the thousand Suns codex this is what it's about and zangors are in the back of the bus and i guess maybe they're paying a little bit of like a penalty for eighth their sins in eighth edition i i i don't know i mean like
0: i i think there's an element of that like and again i i have a unit of enlightened in my list right now for the exact same reason which a speaks to how important that element of speed is like a, a jump mm-hmm. pack unit with a relatively decent stat line that is still cheap, like uh, enlightens what like 16 points or 18. Like that's still super relevant to the mission designs right now. Like just being able to go from point A to point B, stay on objective, get stranglehold that turn. That's great. Mm-hmm. But yes, their offense is not reliable at all right now. They, even the basic Zangors, not the enlightened. Like, people go well why wouldn't I just take a cultist if I'm just gonna have a guy that just stands there and dies like and that's kind of the the trade-off right right now it's like well you could have a toughness four guy who costs a little more or you could have like 50 percent more guys but you gotta cast weaver on them like they're in comparative spaces you at least get obsec on the zangors but yeah it's you could almost see going back to psychic awakening like the psychic awakening books were very obviously in some cases previews of ninth edition like a lot of armies got their, their army-wide trait uh, previewed in Psychic Awakening. Like Grey Knights got their tides in Psychic Awakening. And then a year, two years later, oh, look, that's their army-wide. Uh, mm-hmm. Death Guard got their plague companies and their contagions in Psychic Awakening and so on. So then if you go back and look, like the Psychic Awakening Thousand Sons book I called it at the time was... Codex, please stop playing Zangors. Like none of that applied to Zangors. <laughs> it was all just we're going to give really overpowered stuff to Rubric Marines and Scarab Colts and see if people will please start playing them. And it still wasn't enough. We right. all kept playing Zangors because Rubric Marines were just bad. Like they were just overcosted one point dudes with bolters that don't really matter, and which we're paying too much for for AP two. Like, and that's how it was for a while. But I feel like we got in the tradition of playing all those Zangors. Like, I, I think I had lists with 50. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I ever played 60, but I was in that neighborhood for most of 8th edition. Like, when I was playing Morty and Magnus, it was the Zangors that were winning the games. I, I would tell people that all day. I'd say, well, you killed Morty and you killed Magnus, but they killed all your ability to kill the Zangors, and now you lose. But if we look back from a less biased perspective, I tell people to look at it as if the next Tau book comes out. And Kroot are still bad. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. nobody's going to be mad that Kroot are still bad because Kroot aren't the focus of a tower. The battle suits are the focus, and like the ethereals and all that stuff. Like, Kroot are uh, just an afterthought. They're like, oh, well, if you need some melee or some board control, here's some Kroot. They're not going to be good, but they're here. That's kind of in my head. And like, that's not like from the designers. That's just in my head what Kroot or what Zangor should have been. They should have been the other thing you can play if you really, really, really need that, but you're going to overpay for it because yeah, like,
1: like maybe, maybe down the road you, you write a supplement that says, Hey, here's some neat little things you can do that aren't necessarily overpowered or make them like you must take them. But if you do, here's some additional stuff that, okay, maybe exactly, they're yeah. useful now.
0: Yeah. Cause like you always look at it from the perspective of like armies all kind of do the same thing. They shoot, they have close combat. They might have some psychic powers, but some armies are designed to be better at some things like you can't take sure. you can't take a close combat unit from the Dark Eldar book or the Chaos Space Marine book and compare it to like Rough Riders from the Imperial Guard book and go, well, why aren't these the same points per damage efficiency? And you we go, well, one of them is an Imperial Guardsman. He's not supposed to be as good at it as these other. So like our book is primarily shooting Inferno Bolters and psychic powers. Like we shouldn't have this cheap chaff infantry as our main selling point. We have the option because they're in there, but they shouldn't be a premier option in their role. And they've now fallen back to that. But again, because we were accustomed to them being that, like Zangor were one of the top infantry models in the game in 8th. And that was that was a somewhat infantry heavy addition. Like that was plague bearers and stuff. So like they were probably way ahead of where they should have been. And now we look back going, well, why aren't Zangor still good? And it's like, well, they were probably a little ahead of where they should have been.
1: Right, right. I mean, yeah, when you when you took what a thirty man blob of Zangors and they were doing as much as blood letters. Um, they were doing way
0: more. Like yeah. it was it was the the plus one to wound was obviously the big one. Like they yep. never should have had access to <laughs> to to veterans of the long war. That didn't make any sense. Like cultists shouldn't have it either. But uh yeah, you'd send in thirty Zangors, you'd give them plus one to wound, and then you'd double fight for two command points and you'd right. go, Oh, well that was three command points well spent all the time.
1: On, like, like, what, a 200-point unit or something like yeah, that? I mean, it was... With a relatively reliable charge on the
0: 8 inches man. with the old gaze and the full re-roll if you need it. Like, I was, there was...
1: I, I was reminiscing the other day, actually, or actually earlier today, just looking back on my... Uh, my list that I took around that time and I had, I had one list that had 90 plague bears and then yeah. the rest of it was just thousand suns casters. And it was kind of like, <laughs> I didn't even bother with any of the units. Yeah, that, that was the list in the that made,
0: uh, made TJ and vessel famous. Like they, <laughs> they ran that for six months straight until it got nerfed and they won most of the tournaments that summer. Uh-huh. Like, that was, that was their army. Uh-huh. And then like the, the best I ever did with those Angor lists was uh, I finished second that year at Nova. And I always tell people I've still not had anyone give me a better example. I, I tell people I played the, the hardest day and a half of 40 K in history. Um, and I, by all means, send in, send in some, uh, some counterpoints. Cause I played uh, in, in five, I guess five or six consecutive games. I played Brandon Grant, uh, Nick Nanavati, Tony Kopak. Uh, Andrew Gagno and one other, uh, someone I'm forgetting, but uh, and I, I won all but one of those games. I lost to Gagno in the final round, and in all those games, the Zangors won it like that's that's, that's how good they were. I went down that's that a brutal lineup, pro. though, dude. Well, yeah, yeah, I that was uh, right before Grant won Vegas. Uh, non obviously non-Avati, has won a DepthCon a half dozen times and is one of the top level play testers right now. That's why nobody yeah. sees much of Copac right now, and Gagno's Gagno, but uh, what, what we were doing was. Uh, that, was the, that was the Castellan meta. That was the very beginning of the Castellan meta when you played Castellan's Guard and uh, an Assault Element, either, uh-huh. either Bike Captains from Custodes or Blood Angels Captains or uh, bullgrins. Right. Uh, and uh, I would go up to these guys, and they'd put 70 Guardsmen in front of me, in front of a Castellan, and I'd have Morty crash in and kill 20 or 40, and then the Zangors would drop in and kill literally the rest of them against, uh, I think it was against Kopak. I think I killed 65 Guardsmen on turn one. And then he, in all of these games, except not because he wasn't playing it. Not was playing a counter list with Dark Eldar. Uh, all these games, they then sat there and went, well, my Castellan's going to kill Morty on turn one and he's going to kill Magnus on turn two. And I'm going to go, great, you're out of Guardsmen. How many Zangors can a Castellan kill? <laughs> exactly. And they went, oh, about eight a turn. And I went,
1: exactly. And that was how I won all those games. Like, yep, it was always was, on
0: the back of the Zangors.
1: That was what the plague... So McDade and I were driving back from Dallas and that is where the the Plague Bearer um, the plague bearer idea came from because it was like, well, what the hell can these Castellans not kill? Like, I had Magnus, and I went up against, I think, uh, Matt Ali in Dallas. And, I mean, again, I was just getting started competitively, and I remember that he killed Magnus in turn one with his um, – his his uh, dark eldar uh, flying jets or whatever it was, and it was just like I rolled real bad on my saves, and it was kind of like, well, I guess Magnus is dead. I was like, yeah, I guess he's dead, and then that was the game. And I kind of I kind of sat there and went like, well, geez, what am I gonna do against this? So so we're driving back, and I'm laughing. I'm like, what do Castellans not want to kill? And we basically got down to it. Was like a ton of bodies. And what is the toughest ton of bodies you can get for a cheap cost? And it was like a ton of freaking plague bearers that are minus one to hit or minus two to hit, uh, with a five up in and a five up feel no pain. And yeah, you're just not going to go through it. Yeah. You and, never had to roll an offensive dice in those games. You
0: just no. walked all your plague bears to the, to the objectives and picked up for a turn. And this might, smite, smite, smite. yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. You're just smiting from behind. I had, uh, one of our guys here in Houston, we, we, um, we, we matched up against each other. I'll never forget, he was playing Dark Elder and he had a ton of stuff and he just went like ham against the Plague Bears trying to, like I had nothing else that was targetable because they were all characters. So it was like, well, I guess I got to shoot Plague Bears and he put his whole army into these Plague Bears and it was like, I think I lost like six or seven models out of 90. Yeah, and you, I remember he just it. kind of like, he just put his hands on his on his cheeks and he was looking at the board like, good god this is this is bad this is really bad and responded and just like started smiting stuff off the table but
0: well, because that's the thing. It wasn't just the Castellans. It was that everyone else in the entire meta, because that was, in my opinion, that yeah. was the worst meta of eight. It was everyone else in the game that wasn't playing Castellans was playing an army that could deal with Castellans.
1: Yeah. And you were getting and, more than one command point a turn, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like- and
0: it's like, it's like I'm going to play all these Meltas or I, I like all the Eldar Flyer shots, like all these multiple damage shots to try to kill Castellans because that's what I have to be able to do. And then 90 Plague Bears show up and you go, well, I can't kill that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, no, I remember, I, felt... I remember Joni, Joni came up to me at the beginning of that, that tournament. And he was just like, dude, you have the one list I don't want to face. Like we were driving down, but we saw your list and you had 90 plague bears. And then he just, he just laughed. He was like, I don't want to play that list. And I was like, I know that's the point. And the problem was you just, you wouldn't score any points. You would just sit there and not die and just hope that I'm just going to control the board. I'm going to try to win on secondaries with those ITC mess- missions. And that yeah, was it. The,
0: the final scores were always gross with those armies. It was like, yep. it was uh somebody made top eight at Vegas that year with the blood with the <laughs> with the plague bears, and I finished uh, I finished one spot out of the bonus round. I finished thirteenth, and the cutoff was twelfth. I had over twice as many victory points as that person. <laughs> like they made the like <laughs> the, the, they went six and zero and made the finals with yep. half as many victory points as me going five and one and i was like oh that's that's kind of gross and then I saw yeah, the you just couldn't army.
1: you couldn't lose a game that was the yeah. problem with that and as soon as you lost a game it was kind of like well i guess i'll uh <laughs> i'm not I'll playing first, second start... place with the plague bear army yeah <laughs> i'll start playing i'll start drinking now yep
0: <laughs> and that's but, like you you get to those weird points sometimes with the we, uh with the counters you're like okay everybody's playing this what can i do and I'm the same way. Like uh, there's two roads to go down there. It's like, everybody's playing X. What do I do? And the two roads are, well, I guess I'll play X or I'll find a way to beat X. And like, I, I'm always going to go down the second. I'm always going to try to find a way to beat it. And that's not like, like people try to turn it into some like big honorable statement. Well, like I only play these armies. I don't play the broken army. And that's not at at all how I come from it. Like if I thought I could win tournaments playing Admech, like maybe I would, but the way I've always looked at it from a competitive standpoint is let's say Sean Naden is winning all the tournaments with Eldar or Siegler is winning all the tournaments with Admech or Nanavati is winning all the tournaments with whatever he's up to. If I jump on their bandwagon, I'm still going to have to play them at some point. Like you've got to go to a tournament thinking you're going to have to play the best players in the world. They're going to do it better than I am because they're the ones who thought it up. Like I'm not going to beat Naden playing an Eldar army that I copied right. off of him. So I'd rather come at it from my angle and find a way to beat the thing rather than copying the thing retroactively. Like, that's a great way to go four and two and five or five and one, but you're not going to win tournaments, in my opinion, copying the thing that everybody else is doing.
1: Yeah, that, that was a – God, I'm, I'm going to get way outside of 40K here, but um, I did sailboat racing for a long time, and that was one of the things I learned from the guys who, like, you don't you don't know how complicated that is until you actually try it. And the guys that were doing that would explain to me that, look, you can go buy a boat and you can come out here and race with folks and you don't know anything that's going on. You'll do just fine. All you have to do is follow the guy that wins all the races and that's it. But you can follow that person, but you're never going to beat that person. (laughs) And that's what it would always come down to is like, unless you were able to kind of figure out like why they were, why they were doing so well. And I, that kind of came down like, I don't know why it kind of applied, but it was just really weird that I would I would look at these armies in these lists and I would see folks that would want to say, okay, I'm just going to go take this list and I'm going to run that list because it's winning tournaments. And I would kind of feel like, well, yeah, but what you, what happens when you run into the list that's the exact same thing or they're doing the exact same thing you're doing? Like exactly. they know exactly how to beat you. And I always felt like you also don't quite understand the mechanics. You're just taking it and and like yeah that's that's mimicking the the behavior right
0: for the guys who were like jumping every month to a new army like and everybody knows one of those guys like everybody knows the guy locally who is like oh i played three games with this army it's trash i'm putting in the dumpster let's go get the new thing like they're not playing long enough to understand why the things are the way they are like and i my example for that would be my my fire raptor army from the spring like (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I literally played a guy, and I only ever took that army to that one tournament, Red River, and uh, I beat Chester. I always have to keep telling people I beat Chester with a fire after because he hates it. <laughs> I can say it out loud as many times as I can. And luckily, Blake, his, his co-host on Art of War Broken, also reminds him of it all the time. Thank you, Blake. Um, so that army, like, I played a mirror match in round three or four there. I played into another guy with Mortarian and some uh, some mixed-in Chaos Marine shooting. And I think he might have even also had Thousand Suns, but it was a mirror match of some degree of chaos. And after the game, he had a... Was he on Leviathans? He was on one of the bigger dreads. Uh, I can't okay. remember if it was Derridaos or Leviathans. And it almost the same amount of points as the Fire Raptor. Like, our lists were very similar, except I had a Fire Raptor, and he had two Derridaos or Leviathans. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, he's literally sitting there, like, astonished, talking to himself, literally mumbling, I can't believe I lost to a Fire Raptor. (laughs) My list is better, Fire Raptors are bad. And I'm like, okay, first off, a little offensive, but hey. And I I started having the conversation with him. I'm like, yeah, if you put it all into a spreadsheet, a Derodeo or a Leviathan, probably both of them, is better than a Fire Raptor. Two of those are better than a Fire Raptor, mathematically. But I've played that army so many times, I know exactly what causes that army to lose games. And the Fire after solves that problem, whereas a Derudeo doesn't. Any number of Derudeos wa- wouldn't, because what was causing me to lose at the time with Morty and the Ten Blight Lords and all that was the five-man useless squads in the corner holding objectives, because like I said, Blight Lord Terminators can't get where they want to be, and Mortarian right. costs almost 500 points. He can't go to the corner to kill five witches or five infiltrators, like, I play armies that have these very expensive pieces, but then I lose to MSU and things like that. That's how I've always played. That's the niche I always fall into. So then I took a Fire Raptor and I went, okay, turn one. The Fire Raptor flies to the corner and shoots every scoring model you have. <laughs> Just a, a bolter there, a bolter there, the Avenger Cannon there. Let's see if I can pick up three of them. And then Mortarian goes, okay, you're going to come to the middle and lose the fight because you're not going to win the middle of the board fight against Mortarian and 10 Blightlord Terminators. And then right. you can't outscore me in the corners. It solved a problem, but I had to pay 450 points to solve that problem. But if you don't play the game a hundred times, like people are going to think, oh, okay, it's turn one. Uh, what do I do with this Fire Raptor? Oh, well, He's got some las cannon chickens. Maybe I should kill those to try to keep Morty alive. Like that seems like a reasonable thought process, but it is also incredibly not the correct decision. <laughs> like you you can't do that. Like that's not the right call. If you're trying to use your fire wrapper to keep Mortarian alive, you're probably gonna lose. Right. So if you if you're constantly jumping meta, you never understand why these decisions are made.
1: All right, I'm gonna throw a few things at you. I'm I'm gonna kinda rapid fire here and get your thoughts mm-hmm. on a few units here. So uh, let's start with the land Raider.
0: Oh man. The, uh, the land Raider, uh, made me incorrect there. Uh, I was, uh, I kept telling people that because we had all that weirdness with the, the chapter approved and our points not being right because our codex got delayed. I was like, don't worry. All of our points are the same as, as the chapter approved. And then I was wrong because they changed the land Raider. Um, I think the problem with the land Raider is they can't decide how to price those transports that, that, uh, carry the heavier units like in right. that case terminators like because the protection for those units is incredibly valuable like uh, like uh, we were just talking about like blight lords like imagine if blight lords had a viable transport or even better death shrouds like if they didn't have to walk up field or deep strike and try to make a nine charge like those units that are already good would become really scary really quick and it's also like a land raider itself has meaningful shooting on it so it's like it seems you- like the yeah go
1: ahead i was just gonna say what couldn't
0: you throw them in a storm eagle? You could. What's a storm eagle? cost? <laughs> like four. I mean, it's about the cost
1: of a fire raptor, but yeah. you can throw a bunch of like las cannons and stuff on it.
0: Yeah, I think I think the problem becomes in a case like that, kind of what it always has been, is if you're paying more for the transport than you are for the guys that it's transporting, <laughs> just buy more guys. Like I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yet. you're like, well, right. I
1: could have my 200 points of Terminators in my 400 point transport, or I could have 600 points of Terminators. But then, but then there's the flip side of that is like everybody's thinking, well, why would I do that? But then this madman does it, and then yeah, you show then up, you, you with catch like, him off guard with your your storm eagle. <laughs> storm eagle with 20 world eaters <laughs> inside of it, and you go, yeah, hey, I, I here, the, here we go. The
0: Land Raider just suffers from that, like, and it's yeah. it's not like Ryan. Rhinos are super good. Like our Codex makes an argument for them because of the Invul, but like Land Raiders are just—they're just in such a weird spot. Like, like you don't see Repulsors right now either. Like Repulsors are supposed to fill that spot for the Primaris Marines, but like it's got so much stuff going on, it's hard to price appropriately. And generally in those cases, they try to go a little over rather than a little under and they can tinker later on. But yeah, the, the Land Raider is just in a bad spot. It's a
1: shame too, because it was great. The Repulsor, for that matter, was a great model when it came out and um, it, you, with all the shots that it had back in Asia. It edition. was great when you could sit Gilliman next to it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like all those strength five shots are not great. And then you re-roll them all to a hit and wound and then they get pretty great. Yeah. A, a local buddy of mine the one who kind of innovated that list. So I had to play against that a lot. Yeah. Uh, how about next up, Heldrake? See, I really like the Heldrake. I think the Helldrake's in a really good spot. Uh, the that was one of the big changes I thought from the old book to the new book. Like in Death Guard, we got the uh, Defilers. I told people like, oh well the Defiler was a preview of what's happening for the demon engines. Like, and then obviously in Thousand Suns we get the Forge mm-hmm. Fiend, Mauler Fiend, Heldrake. The Heldrake I really like. It's just that there's no synergy for it in our book. Like, and our book yeah. really shouldn't have synergy for it, but like I'm I'm hopeful looking forward, like if we get like Iron Warriors down the down the road when the Chaos Marine book comes out. If they have some some demon engine synergy, which they should, then suddenly these demon engines that are now on good stat lines might be able to do some stuff because they, yeah. they used to not have good stat lines. The only reason you would play a demon engine in the old books is because Demon Forge existed. <laughs> it was like, oh, one command point, reroll all hit and wounds. I guess that's good. I can make one of these playable each turn. But now they have an actually good stat line. Maybe they'll be a real thing when they get some synergy.
1: Well, all right. Sticking with Demon Engines, what about the Molarphine? Uh, it's got a natural competitor with the the Mortal, Vortex Beast, and with the Vortex Beast getting its upgrades, it seems to be kind of like the you know the first place heavy support unit right now. You know, what what are your thoughts on the Molarphine?
0: the mauler fiend unfortunately just doesn't work at all in our codex in my opinion like it it kind of goes down the same route like now that it can't be warp timed for one right uh and like the mutalith you can teleport which is fun you can't teleport a, a a mauler fiend like it also just does something we don't really need like that that role of a melee based. like yeah if we had shooting d3 plus three damage that'd be great but melee based d3 plus three isn't really something we need plus you run into the problems of the train in this edition like it like a Mutalith and the, the, uh, the Mauler Fiend are on the same base, but the Mutalith can at least do stuff if it's trying to finagle its way around terrain on turn two, whereas the Mauler Fiend is just going, man, I'm sad I'm not in combat and could be doing something right now. It's, uh, it's just in a really bad spot in our codex. Like the same reasons we just mentioned, there's no synergy for it. It's not something we need because when a big target that you would want D3 plus three Gets into a situation where a model on that base can charge it. You probably could have just killed it with mortal wounds in our yeah. codex. Like yeah. it's like, oh well, a big vehicle is at midfield for some reason because that's the only place you're ever going to threaten with a mauler fiend is midfield. Like, oh well, great, I'll dump twenty mortal wounds on it. All
1: right, so how about the predator, though? I mean, the it seems like at least from my my view, looking at the the rhino chassis vehicles it seems like they are all in kind of like a weird spot the rhino you can at least make the case of hey i can pack a bunch of i can do msu rubrics and rhinos like hoosen did and it's a great formula but the predator seems like it's it's kind of fighting this battle look it's great we get a five up in bone with it you, it's a t7 vehicle it's got a bunch of wounds and it actually has pretty good profiles with the heavy bolters and its auto cannon is not terrible uh but then is it just the cost like what what's the deal with the predator where we're not we're not looking at that going yeah let's load up on a bunch of them
0: yeah i could i could see certain metas where either the daca pred or the quad laz cannon pred becomes viable like i don't think you would ever want more than one of them uh especially once the uh I, i guess the the elephant in the room is we can't have these conversations about backfield shooting elements because everybody just goes, well, why don't you just play a Volkite Contemptor? Just, yeah, just yeah. get a Volkite Contemptor. Like once that is hopefully dealt with when we get new points at some point, like that, I hate the Volkite Contemptor and I refuse to play it. Like I admit that it is good. I just hate it and I, I don't want
1: to play it. Like you know, it's once bad get... when you're looking at even Space Marine lists, and it's kind of like, oh, does your faction struggle? Well, slap a Volkite yeah, contender there, and that'll there that'll you go. <laughs>
0: like you can go play the the friggin' dice casino with the Volkites. See if you do <laughs> exactly. twenty mortal wounds this turn. But yeah, it's like once we get it out of the way, and then we can have realistic conversations about other backfield shooting elements. I think one of those two preds could have a slot in a certain meta. Like there are times because we don't have good multi-damage long-range shooting like we have the backpacks on our terminators and that's about mm-hmm. it. So there could be a case where we need four last cannon shots that we can make pretty reliable with presage like yeah we don't get rerolls anymore and that's that's one stumbling block we've had in this edition in terms of balance is we've not found how to make shooting dedicated vehicles good like because we had to take all the rerolls away with core like right we got to a stupid place multiple times in 8th edition where that was defining the whole edition like we just said like gilliman standing next to whatever was good right now was how you <laughs> won games in eighth edition so core came out of nowhere and said hey we're going to take a lot of those benefits away from the tanks the response to that should have been well then okay we have to make the tanks more efficient on their actual stat line and we've seen that response to weirder things like uh, like the forge Fiend. the forge fiend's actual right. stat line got much better but some of these things are just slower to move like a like a land raider a predator like their basic stat lines have been set in stone for so long that it's hard to get movement on those right so i guess the only way to make them better is to just keep making them cheaper until they're good but that's a dangerous path to go down as well but again Mm -hmm. like i could see a meta where we go okay i need four pretty reliable las cannon shots i'll take a predator try to shoot down a plane turn one or put some damage onto a knight turn one like that's that's not out of the question and the, uh, the Dacopred could have been an option during the the very height of the Dark Eldar meta. Like, if we if we had our new codex right then and we're trying to pop Raiders turn one, like, the Pred's not bad at it. Like, I think there are slots for those things. But again, our our book is one that has no synergy for it. Like, we don't even have access to tech priests to do, like, what Marines do yeah. when they play, like, Redemptor Dreads. You have a tech priest, you give him plus one to hit. Like, we don't have that. We have to use Presage, which the rest of our book also wants to be using. So or like uh, the Tallyman, uh, again, that's mm-hmm. core locked. But again, it's, I think it's mostly core and the new balancing around those vehicles
1: has not quite found its, found its legs yet. I do think they're probably missing out on like upgrade, like Thousand Suns upgrade packs to the Rhino and Predator where you can slap like maybe twin Soul Reaper cannons on the sides of your Predators <laughs> That'd or That'd be like, pretty a, cool. You know, stuff like that, where it's like, you know, you could probably do a little plastic kit for that and that would be pretty damn awesome. Um, and then you, then you'd at least have something where it's like, you know, the, the amount of shots I get out of something like that is pretty damn good. When you forget about the heavy bolter that's in the front and then you get the transport. But, um, do you think they'll ever eventually take a look at something like giving the land Raider, like the assault transport rule? Um, I, I forget. Warhammer has been around for a long time, but I, I, want to say at one point they did have that where you could move the land raider then your stuff could get out and assault yeah that's
0: i started in fifth edition they could certainly do it in fifth edition and it it's mostly it's not even that the land raider changes every edition it's that the disembarking rules change every edition (laughs) like every edition has wildly different rules on how you get out of transports and when you can get out of transports like in some editions it's like right now it's if you moved you can't get out and then in some editions it's well if it moved you can get out but you can't charge and it Every, like, I can't even think going backwards. But I know in 5th edition, you can move the Land Raider, get out, and still charge. Because that was what the Assault Ramp did. But yeah, it's uh, it's weird to me that the impulser has a rule that lets you get out. You can't charge, but you can get out. and The Land Raider doesn't, even though it literally was the, the prototypical Assault Ramp vehicle. I think that's a little weird, though I don't... Even if it did, I don't think you'd be using Land Raiders. Because what are you going to move and get out and shoot with from a Land Raider? Like, that's not really a... Yeah, five a, Terminators? Exactly. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, 20 bolter shots. Woo! Like, that's not really a thing right now, but yeah, it, I think with the way boards are right now, you could maybe get away with just going, hey, we'll let Land Raiders move and get out and assault, but it would also be a really dangerous decision. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's one you can't take back immediately. You gotta wait till, like, the next balance pass, like, six months later. Because mm-hmm. it's like, like, the only thing that has that right now is, like, Harlequin characters. Like, I think a Warlord trait lets them do that, and that's about it. And it's it's enough to still make Harlequins playable. Like, that's how good that ability is. Like Don't
1: don't orc truck. The new orc trucks have the truck like boys that too? can do
0: it. Yep, and yeah. but that was broken until the FAQ. So people are a little a <laughs> little wary of playing it because they didn't know if a tournament was going to let them play it. Right? But yeah, truck boys could do it. It's just that people aren't like. It's not so much that boys aren't good. It's that there's no real need for boys right now. Like they don't have really a niche in the meta. Like, what do you need a bunch of strength five AP one attacks against damage one? Like,
1: yeah,
0: like and anything you would use boys to kill is kind of uh irrelevant. Like you would just kill them with something else. So. Yeah, truck. but yes, hopefully that'll be relevant at some point. They they went out of their way to
1: make it so truck boys could do that. But yeah, we're still yeah, talking I, about like one thing in one army. I can't imagine that the designers, when they were thinking of orcs, was like, run a bunch of buggies with a couple jets. Yeah, those, or something those, buggy, like-
0: <laughs> those buggy lists are weird. Like, I I don't think they're as problematic as people are making them out to be. Like, they are still, they they need to go up in points. I I think letting people run so many of them was a mistake and there's it's it bypasses the the safety valve that is the rule of three like right it's not that orc buggies is a thing it is there's five different data sheets of an orc buggy that are all slightly different things so when they accidentally make these buggies a little too good oh well instead of being able to run three or even nine of them i can run 25 of them yep like I've, I've made the argument sometimes internally that like space Marines bypass that to a degree, like, and it hasn't been problematic, but it's like, if we just, if we overtuned Terminators just in general for a little bit, like if Terminators were a little bit too good, well, Thousand Sons would go, okay, I'm going to run three units of Scarab Occult Terminators. And then Marines would go, okay, I'm going to use, run a unit of Terminators. I'm going to run a unit of Assault Terminators. I'm going to run a unit of Relic Terminators. Like they, I always joke that in the Marine book, a new weapon is a new data sheet. It's like, if, uh, an easy comparison is in our codex. Like, in, if our codex was the Space Marine Codex, Flamer Rubrics would be a different data sheet. And I don't know why. Like, it's so weird to me. And I, I argue right. with them a, a lot. Like, it's like, I'm always concerned about rule of three because that is our safety valve. If we make a mistake, we go, oh, well, at least they can only run three of the thing we made a mistake on. Right. But for some reason in the Marine book, if you have a different gun, you're a different unit. Huh. I didn't. I never thought of it that way, but you're 100 percent right. Yeah, like infiltrators and incursors, literally yeah. the same thing. Just a different gun, a different backpack, different slightly unit, different
1: urals. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: like reavers. Uh, like they, they have like like and they re-separated the predators after 10 plus years of them being the same thing like it was predator yeah. this turret or this turret well now it's we now we're back to predator destructor and predator annihilator like we've gone backwards in that context
1: so you can technically run i i actually until you just pointed that out i had not actually thought of the fact that now i can run six predators yeah go, i don't know why yeah. but
0: <laughs> you could if you run yeah. Blood Angels, you could run nine. You get your ball predators out there. Like, it's, it's just weird to me. Like, it's one of those things that always gets me in the back of the head. I'm like, why do we do that? We're just leaving that open in case we make a mistake. And then Buggies kind of highlighted it. It's like,
1: yeah. like,
0: because I think, I think right now the Lehman Russ tanks, I think they are all still one data sheet. I think it's like you take a Lehman Russ. Or maybe there's two data sheets for Lehman Russ. Uh, I feel like there might be two. But regardless, they're not each their own to my knowledge. And then it's like, oh, well, okay, if we make a mistake on Lehman Russes, at least they're not going to run 25 of them. But then we made a mistake on Orc Buggies, and they can be taken in units of three, so it kind of compounded on itself.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say about Guard, is like a lot of their vehicles can actually be taken in units of threes, and that's that's one of the things I was thinking about. I, yeah. I, and I'll just say, like, I hate Mana cores right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say that hands down. Like, I've I've run into this um, uh, this player from San Antonio like at least a couple times now at, at tournaments. And we both basically look at each other's armies and we're both just like, so this game is basically gonna be who goes first, right? <laughs> like, yeah, because I've got like six mana cores. And if I go first, your army's dead. And if you go first, I'm dead. And we <laughs> we roll and it's like, all right, good game. You know, that's, that's it. And the game's decided in like 10 seconds. I even went and
0: looked it up. Right now, all Lehman Russ's are one data sheet. And then they just have all of the turret weapons listed. Oh, it was a uh, seventh edition when they were two data sheets because the, the reason I remember that is because there was the Lehman Russ data sheet and then there was the Lehman Russ Demolisher data sheet and right. the other half because that one was rear armor 11. That's that's how I remember it. Like, because the main the main ones were rear oh, armor 10. Man. The others were rear armor 11 for some reason.
1: You're hurting my brain now making me think about like armor values. on Yeah, the different sides. I was like, I
0: was like, why do I think there was two data sheets? And then I remembered, <laughs> oh, because one of them was rear armor 11. So I guess it had to be seventh edition. And the arguments that came with, well, I'm shooting at the rear, but
1: no, technically, I don't think. You yeah, are. I, I
0: literally was talking about armor oh, value man. or armor arts or uh, yeah, armor facings this weekend with somebody at New Orleans. Somebody was like, why don't we go back to armor facings? And I was like,
1: yeah, you in forget- seventh
0: edition at the end. The WTC FAQ, which was two hundred something pages, the final forty pages of it were an armor facing diagram for every model in the entire game, <laughs> because otherwise you had those arguments constantly. It was like yeah. the friggin' rule book always made me mad because the every every edition that had armor va- values. Games Workshop would put a picture in the rule book. This is how you do armor facings. You know what they would use? They would use a rhino, a perfect rectangle. <laughs> like, oh, okay, that was hard. And then you take out like an Eldar Scorpion from Forge World, and you're like, this thing's like three triangles and some half ovals glued together at weird angles. What is an armor facing on this?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Oh, that's
0: cool. We're just left to our own devices for this. So yeah, they have to put out a giant FAQ for ETC every year to say this is the armor facings we will be using.
1: Oh man. Well, what do you all right? So there's some some of the Forge World stuff, if it's worth getting into, like I, I like what they did with the book. I like the fact that a lot of the stuff in there was just it it's not that it was it's not that any of the forge world stuff has ever been overpowered or that the rules were like it was that there was always a meta where something that was just slightly not designed for that. For that purpose just was so good for that that it just ended up giving i think a lot of the forge world stuff a really bad rap yeah um up and up
0: until i think it was sixth and it wasn't even the beginning of sixth it was like in the middle late sixth is when tournaments up until then didn't even allow forge world stuff like it was unheard right. of and it was recently itc guys who kind of spearheaded it um when they were first starting up their big tournaments who finally pushed really hard to get forge world stuff allowed and the the bigger problem was that, and I don't have inside info on this, I don't know how it was handled because by the time Mm -hmm. I got involved in playtesting, it was handled in-house, but the Forge World rules were never written up until late 8th, early ninth, by the normal rules team. They were written Mm -hmm. by the Forge World team. And it always drove us insane as TOs and judges because they always used not even just different terminology for like common game aspects, Sometimes they use terminology that just didn't make sense. (laughs) Like it was like, clearly whoever wrote this didn't have like anyone editing it or like any review. Like they just put together how they thought it should work and put it on the page and had it printed and sent out. And it was like, because they didn't take that level of care in their wordings that could just break the game, Mm -hmm. then tournaments were like, well, then why should we allow these things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. We don't want to have to have this conversation. Like I said, the same document I was talking about, the, the old ETC, and then you could even go back to the, the ITC FAQ, uh, the INAT, it wasn't ITC, it was the INAT. Uh, that document, the INAT at the end, without taking the, the diagrams into account, because they just copied and pasted the ones from ETC guys, it was probably 170 pages. And Jeez. probably, I'm going to say 60, 65% of that was Forge World even though Forge World's less than half of the models in the game, most of the FAQ made by the community was for Forge World because it wasn't just like, Oh, well, this is clearly like one word off. It was, we have to rewrite this rule so that it actually works. (laughs) Like this doesn't do anything right now. Like we can kind of tell what they meant for it to do, but right now it does nothing.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, I thought it was fantastic, at least to, to hear that the GW team was actually, or the actual rules team was taking over those rules yeah. Um, that was great.
0: Yeah. Let me was, ask you your own personal. We got things on the same this. wording was the big okay. thing.
1: I'm going to ask you a tough question. So I know you being a play tester, you're obviously there's certain things you can't answer. There's, there's certain things you're, you're protected under, you know, NDA. Yeah, I got a
0: whole pile of paperwork here sitting next to me. I,
1: I am going to ask you this in, in as much as like th- your own opinion. Um Is, uh, Are we probably going to see GW try to take over like the Legion type models um, that Forge World does? At least from my own point of view, what I see is that there is an incredible demand from players to get bespoke type looking units for their army. Um, And and what's fantastic about Forge World is if I run Night Lords, I can go get Night Lord stuff. I can get doors, I can get, you know, dreadnoughts all sorts of stuff that looks like that do you think we're headed towards having like legion specific stuff on the gw side of things
0: Hmm. well i i can say outright i don't have any inside info there so i can just say whatever i want Uh, okay (laughs) they don't we don't get any info the same way we don't get info about uh about uh, release schedules we don't get any info about the models okay um so i i feel like they go back and forth sometimes like I I think obviously that would be cool, but I'm sure they have to do a bunch of math internally. Like we're, we're basically getting that right now with the black Templars. Like we've, Mm -hmm. I think they announced the upgrade sprue like two days ago. Like that's like a whole package. Like it looks like a sprue and a half of bits just to make your stuff look like black Templars. Like that's really cool. So I hope they Mm -hmm. keep doing that, but it seems like some editions they do it really hard and some editions they don't like a, a conversation we were having earlier where you were talking about the, uh, Like they could print like an upgrade sprue to put soul reaper cannons on your land raider right like they used to do stuff like that because the i i could have the details wrong but i think the land raider redeemer was eventually a was originally a black templar vehicle i think they were the only ones who had it like that was their cool vehicle was a a land raider that had flamers on it because they're out there burning heretics or whatever (laughs) like that was their whole thing and then eventually they just go okay we're we're 10 years later, we're just going to roll it into the main codex. We're either going to stop making this model or we're going to make it so everybody can take this model. So it seems like they do it, but it just kind of swings back and forth. Like we've got the, there's, there's Blood Angels upgrade sprues. There's Space Wolves upgrade sprues. Uh They're, they're not as widespread as they sometimes are, but it is something they do. I, I guess I don't know what their internal motivation is.
1: Uh, Along those lines, what about uh, from the Codex side? So Chaos Space Marines, I'm looking at what they're doing from a Codex standpoint. This edition is definitely way different than what they've done. So traditionally what they've done is they've said, okay, here's Chaos Space Marines. And then months or weeks later, here is Death Guard and here is Thousand Suns. And there are shared profiles that they use between the different Codexes. Um, this edition, they've kind of flipped that on its head, right? They rolled out Death Guard and they rolled out Thousand Sons, and we still don't have a Chaos Space Marine Codex. Yeah, are we uh, Are we headed to a structure? Do you think where we have a similar structure on the Chaos side that the Loyalist side has, where there is a core rulebook for, say, your your core Chaos Space Marine armies, but then like Emperor's Children and World Eaters, there's kind of this like you know are they going to get a codex are they worthy of a codex you know what what's your take on all this i think one move they've made and we've
0: pushed them to this degree in in some degree the playtesters have pushed this is we don't like it when two different books that don't directly rely on each other reprint the same rules and i'll i'll have to give examples to explain what i mean like mm-hmm. we've run into problems where like when uh because used to blood angels dark angels space wolves uh, etc were what thousand sons death guard are right now where they weren't a supplement to the marine book but they had most of the marine book reprinted in them they were a standalone codex that just used all the same stuff but wasn't a supplement so we'll just reprint all of it like a tactical marine was printed in the space marine book and it was printed in the blood angels book and blah 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 And then what happens when the new Space Marine book comes out and a tactical Marine is different? Or I guess actually the common one that happens every edition is a storm shield is different. Like that constantly happens as they change how storm shields work. And it's like, okay, we changed storm shields in the Space Marine book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I guess Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Space Wolves, blah, 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 still have the old storm shield until their book gets updated or until we put out an FAQ saying otherwise. We've gotten them away from coupling in that manner. So the Marine books now only use their bespoke rules like the blood angels codex only has the units that are only for blood angels for everything else they say please refer back to the space marine book so when the underlying space marine book changes we don't have to worry about that problem but going the other direction we've somewhat clearly made it where thousand sons and death guard don't rely on chaos marines at all and yeah i guess i guess we can't know for certain until we get a full chaos marine book to see if that's gonna change or if they're gonna still be what i call full supplements like Grey Knights. Grey Knights are clearly, like I refer to them as a supplement, even though they're clearly not really attached to Space Marines. Like they are mostly just dudes in power armor. Like Mm -hmm. their rules don't rely on the Space Marine book at all. I call that like a full supplement where they're also clearly not like a full outright codex. A lot of their rules are very, very, very similar. Like I guess the easy way to say it is there's a lot more in common between the Space Marine book and the Grey Knight book than there is between the Space Marine book and the Dark Eldar book. <laughs> like, yeah. those Those things have a lot in common, but they don't rely on each other. So hopefully when we get around to it, there will be a clear distinction made there where it's not just like, Hey, we're gonna put uh, like right now. You can still play Thousand Suns or Rubric Marines in the Chaos Marine book, but they're an entirely different unit. <laughs> like, they still mm-hmm. have one wound right now in the Chaos Marine book. Like that is that is gross to me as as a playtester. Like it's rough. We've gotten them away from that, I think. So I'm hoping that it's handled more delicately, even if it's not a rely on the other book situation. Hopefully they'll handle it better because. That's just one of those things that's always rubbed me the wrong way. Like sometimes you have to go up to a guy at a tournament as like a TO or a judge and be like, "Yeah, your Storm Shield works different than the other guy that you're playing in Storm Shield, and yours is worse probably. Um, <laughs> but uh, don't worry about it; it'll be fixed someday. Like that yep. sucks. So yeah. I I don't like when a Codex has the same rules reprinted. I guess that's what I, I guess that's the core of it. So. I'm hoping that it's either its own thing or it relies back upon that book and it's handled by FAQ or something.
1: But that's the thing I want to get away from. You know, my co-host, Mike, and I talk about the fact that it actually would make balancing a lot easier when you, when you get these separate codexes or you get things where you're not sharing things. It's a lot easier to do, kind of like what they did in Thousand Suns, where, hey, guess what? All your vehicles, like Rhinos and things like that, they have AP2 bolters on them
0: exactly um, like you, you can know, make these differences without having to go well what happens if iron warriors get a hold of a rhino with ap2 bolters like that that could be really really good like you can make just you can happen. make bite-sized balance changes rather than going well if yeah. they get this like we're intending it for faction a but if it's in faction c it'll be
1: way better and we don't want that and i guess the only thought from looking at everything is just the fact that there's only so much to go around, right? Like you, you have a limited amount of time that these designers can spend on the rules. And, you know, I, I'm sure that internally for them, they're, they're looking at things and going, well, how many, do we really have enough people that want to play Emperor's Children that, to justify an Emperor's Children codex or world Eaters to justify a world Eaters codex? I'm sure a lot of us that really love the armies and really love chaos will go, you know hell yes there's enough people (laughs) for these things night and day but i'm sure they're operating on more data than we have um but i it feels like when i look at chaos and then i look at the loyalist side i kind of feel like that's a natural it seems to be like almost it's it's filling into its like natural state of having a core codex that covers things like you know Iron Warriors, uh, Night Lords. Um, I-, I don't know who else to throw in there. I-, I don't know that Black Legion would be another one you throw in there, but maybe Renegades and and stuff like that. But then you have these offshoots of like Black Legion, Emperor's Children, World Eaters, C- Thousand Sons, Death Guard. So you get like your cult legions and then Black Legion on top of that. But maybe Black Legion w- is what belongs in the Cast Space Marine Codex. I don't. I- yeah, I don't know, and they've but- they've also
0: got the option of supplements now, like the what. I, I, I guess there's too many things that use the word supplement right now. <laughs> like, yeah, like the Marine, the Marine supplements don't feel like a supplement to me because it's, it's so clearly anchored in that book. And it's just like, here's your five extra units. Like the, the minor supplements, like the one I'm talking about is like strife. Like they can still do supplements like that. Like, like maybe the chaos space Marine book will come out and then three months later they'll go, okay. And here's a black Legion supplement. And I mean, that's exactly what they did in eighth. So I guess mm-hmm. we're just speaking retroactively here. Like they can, they can narrow down on things later. Like if they want to, like uh, what else do we get a supplement for? We got supplement for Lucius Admech. We got the, uh, some of the, and the AORs or another angle for that now. Like they each can Each of do the like, Space
1: Marine things in eighth. I mean, you yeah, yeah, exactly. each of like, those sublegions right? We had
0: to wait for those sub-legion books. Yeah. So right. it's like, they have other avenues where they can expand upon like a featured faction later. And the armies of renown are a really good way to do that. But mostly oh, yeah. the supplements where it's just like, okay, we decided that, Cult of Strife should have some more rules. So we're gonna go in, and maybe they made some mistakes there, but we're gonna go in, we're gonna give Cult of Strife some more rules. They can they can do that retroactively if they need to. Yep. So they've got they've got options even past the initial book. And I mean, realistically, that's that's where we got our first Legion rules, at least in the last like two decades, was uh it was Trader Legions in in the middle of seventh, was mm-hmm. when they finally went, Oh, okay, I guess legion should have some rules and then for whatever reason eighth edition came out and they wiped it all clean and then we had to wait for faith and fury (laughs) like but faith and fury was really good like faith and fury had such cool rules so at least we have like a starting point so like yeah i i think the preferable situation would be if they literally do what they did for marines and they go hey each of the base ones gets like supplement level rules and then we'll go from there and like yeah maybe we'll leave death guard thousand cents off to do their own but I guess I guess probably for them trying to convince them to print, that'd be what, like 10 more books? That might be a, a hard right. sell. <laughs> right. So who knows? But yeah, that that's the thing. Like even if they don't do it in the initial book, maybe six months later, they'll go, here's a Faith and Fury equivalent to, to bulk out the legions. Yeah, and to be
1: fair about like Thousand Sons and Death Guard, I mean, I'm a little salty that Death Guard keep getting these like revamps to their model range. And Thousand Sons are sitting here like, I can take Chaos Spawn or Zangor and Lighten for my fast attack. This is awesome. you know, Yeah, we got to... It...
0: Our models came out, what, the end of... Very, very end of seventh was when Correct. we got the Rubrics and Magnus and yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm yeah. not
1: trying to sound like I'm not appreciative of those. I'm, we, I'm got definitely... the, we got the Infernal
0: Master. He's our, yep. He's our guy. Yep, yep. It's yep. better it, than
1: nothing, right?
0: It seems like that's the gimmick right now is if your army doesn't get a full revamp in ninth, you get exactly one character model. Like that yeah. seems to be kind of locked in. I don't know who... In the hierarchy made that call but it seems very obvious i mean i guess uh i guess dark eldar didn't get anything at all but skitari got the skitari marshal death guard got the lord of virulence we got the infernal master um i guess well death guard got
1: death guard a bunch of stuff didn't they they, they had I, like a
0: i think their only new models were the lord of virulence and that train piece nobody runs i think that was their only new model oh, their their new units uh, uh they must any, be other, any other new models
1: I must be mistaken. It's just I thought that their models were aren't very old stuff. to begin
0: with. I mean, Death Guard yeah. only started being a Codex in 8th, so their models are relatively new to begin with. But yeah, I, I don't think any of their other models were new for ninth. I think it was just the Lord of Virulence and the whatever the hell that train piece is I called. I think
1: what my gripe with Death Guard is is the fact that they came out with Thousand Sons and then they came out with Death Guard and Death Guard got this yeah, they got way more models and, they got but it, this it's beautiful model range right yeah well, yeah They then they got the plague burst crawler they have that is the, the cool you know, part yeah the
0: dedicated yeah. demon engines are really cool <laughs> and yeah, yeah i, I guess mean that's
1: the, there's uh, stuff I, in the lore to support thousand sun stuff i mean you've got yeah i um, think what I you might go be thinking the of the is i don't think the
0: the flesh mower kit existed yet because i think the only way to do a blight drone was the mm-hmm. one from the easy build kit so like Like, Blight Drones existed, but I don't think they had a box yet. And I think it might have been the same for the Mephitic Blight Hauler. I think they had that easy build kit and no actual, like, box you'd buy at a 40K store. So, I I think those kits might have been solo released for ninth, but the models already existed.
1: And, I mean, obviously, the million-dollar question is, like, when are Thousand Suns going to get their Psychic Dreadnought, right?
0: Need that Psychic Dreadnought. Uh, We were just talking about that earlier today in the Discord. I was like, we were... Somebody said Rubric Dreadnought. And I was like, well, would would there have been any? Because
1: they're, like, tied to the armor, and then... I left it to the fluff people. A psychic dreadnought makes complete sense in the army. I mean, A, especially the Osiren dreadnought pattern that they have, because Magnus is the one who knows the, he designed the thing. B, your sorcerers would have made it if they were strong enough. And I'm certain that there could have been sorcerers that were wounded and they entombed them in, you know, a dreadnought, even even before, you know, the fall of Zinch. Um, it, it just seems natural to me to at least at a minimum be able to say like hey you could you could do a stratagem to say upgrade your hellbrute or your dreadnought to be a psyker yeah kind of like how iron hands
0: can like oh this guy's a character now yeah it could be something like that i think i think most people are just mad because the osiren such a cool model (laughs) people just want to use the osiren
1: it's such. A, it, I mean, it's such. Um, it's such a disappointment because you have the Osiren and then you even have the other one. Uh, there's just the Thousand Suns Legion. The Automata like we, thing. We have two of them, and, and yeah, and then we have the automa- the the robots on top of it. And I'm I'm kind of surprised that they don't go more into just like that is such a cool concept of having the robots and then having them psychically control robots. And if you were to say, hey, Thousand Suns need, like the, the thing you hear people say that Thousand Suns need is like Rubric Havocs or things like that. Yeah. You could easily go in and say, you know what, we won't do Rubric Havocs, but what we will do is do like Castellan-esque robots that are controlled by a psyker. So it's like a unit, it's like a aspiring sorcerer that controls like up to three uh Castlewood robots that are like gun bots more or less yeah it and they feels just like shoot. there's
0: been so little crossover between the 30k and 40k models lately like they're there for a while like when they did uh when they did that burning Custodes. at crossbow box yeah. set even like they they just they were like okay we want the 40k players to use these but those were plastic models but they were like we want the 30 the 40k players to use these too so here's rules for relic terminators things like that hmm like, so they, they just gave all those rules out, but it, it seems like since then, there's been very little crossover between 30K and 40K models. And I, I wonder if there was like some internal corporate change that led to that. Like, like all these like character models keep coming out, like all the cool Terminators. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, why can't we play like the 30K Terminators as alternate Terminators in our current codex? Like, that'd be cool, but yeah. it seems like there's some... There must be I mean, some reason that they're not doing that. Space Marines
1: obviously get that. They have the what the Relic Terminator slot or whatever. They it have the something... Relic
0: Terminator slot, but it's yeah. they don't get like they don't get the special Terminators. Like they don't get whatever like right. Uh, they, I can't even remember what the thirty K thousands on Terminators are called, but they have the the cooler looking the uh, Kopesh is yeah the segment. Like we yep. can't play those and whatever the 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 Empress Children have the Phoenicians like
1: mm-hmm. we
0: can't play those and. Loyalist Marines can't play their version. I think they only get the Relic Terminator very generic stat line because of right. that Calf uh, that box. Uh, it wasn't Burning at Prospero. It was Kalf, Um had those Terminators
1: in it. I, th- I feel like that's the only reason they get those. And again, and those they, are plastic. And they only seem to have made that change here in 9th edition because in 8th edition, they did still have things like there was a slot for Tartarus Terminators and then Cataphracti Terminators. Exactly.
0: Cataphractae and Tartarus were separate because those, right. those were the two that I was getting confused. One was in Calf and one was in Prospero. Right. Right, But uh, they just merged them. But yeah, it I, I feel like it, it's it got to be some... And the Contemptor came up at the same time. Like, the Contemptor yeah. was plastic in that box. And that's when it went into the main codex. So I feel like there's got to be some plastic resin divide as far as corporate goes. Like, I guess maybe if you look at it from the perspective of, let's say you're a 30k player and you want to buy some Phoenician Guard Terminators for your Emperor's Children. And then they announce, oh, well, we're going to put out a 40k data sheet for Phoenician Guard Terminators and now you can't buy them for the next three years. Like, maybe that's why. Like, literally, yeah. maybe they're trying to keep their 30K players happy because as soon as something gets 40K rules, it goes out of stock for two years. Like, maybe that's part of it.
1: But then you have the the whole um, precedent they set with custodes where they just said, oh, well, we'll actually write you rules. Like, Yeah, it seems like every time your... a custodes
0: unit comes out, it gets immediately 40K
1: rules. Yeah, that... that... That baffles me, which has but. put
0: us in a really weird spot. Where I feel I, I haven't like sat down and looked at it, but I feel like more of their models might be Forge World than than in their Codex right now. Like, like I think <laughs> I it might thought about that, but you might right. be
1: right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, because they have a lot. Like, they have, like, the two variant tanks. They have the dreads. They have the jump pack guys now. Like, I, I it's at least got to be close. Like, it's probably, like, 80%. Like, and it just feels worse because, like, the good stuff is all the Forge World stuff. You're like, yeah. oh, Telemons and Venetari and the tanks. Like, that's that's what makes up a competitive Custodes army right now. So it's, like, it's it's they are a very weird case.
1: Well, all right. So we've been talking for a while here, um, just trying to kind of, bottle all this up we we've got austin coming up um you're going to be judging at austin right yes and then uh lvo is coming up in end of january are you competing at lvo yeah i think i have a vegas ticket yeah i I hope i have a vegas ticket (laughs) awesome um and then are you going to be at the um i think frontline gaming has a new orleans event as well are you going to try and make it down to that one I'm trying
0: to decide if I can go to a tournament between now and the end of the year. I'm doing the, the math on my, my paid time off because I had to yep. spend a lot of it to go judge these GW tournaments. Yep. I, uh, I used up a lot of it and I was like, well, maybe I can go to one more tournament between now and the end of the year. And the, the ITC New Orleans Open was one of the ones I was looking at. I was also looking at SoCal. Um, I, was, I was looking to try to travel for one tournament between now and December, basically. And I, I've not made any determinations as to which it would be.
1: Fair enough. Uh, what do you think is going to be kind of the the story with Thousand Suns? Do you think we're going to see um, like folks go the route that Joni has gone with, you know, just kind of like building around the Volkite Dreads and just kind of hoping that hey, you know, Chapter Proof doesn't come out in the December or January timeframe <laughs> and they and nerf the Volkites and throw me into a bad position for for LVO or um, you know, do you think we're, we're do you think the the better list is probably going to be around like maybe Terminators and just a mass infantry list? I like, uh, again, I hate Volkites, so I'm just, I'm just
0: there. I, I like my infantry heavy lists. I, I think the thing is though, I think the codex is in such a good spot that we're going to see, like, again, I, I don't expect us to be running away with the tournaments, but I, I'm i not going to be shocked at all. If a thousand suns player makes top eight, top 16 at each of these upcoming tournaments, but it could just e- easily be something like what I'm playing something like what Joni's playing, or even, I, I hope, and I, I don't like the RB, but I hope somebody starts playing the the rubric rhino spam thing that won that tournament out in Australia. Like, I mm-hmm. hope somebody in the U.S. starts playing that seriously, because it is interesting to watch the meta have to deal with it. Like, it's something you have to take into account and maybe change your army a little bit to go, how do I kill 50 rubrics? So, it could even be that. Like, that's yeah, something like that could easily rhinos. show up and just...
1: Yeah, like nine, nine riders on a five-up inbom. I mean, that's that's annoying enough to deal with. Yeah, so hopefully
0: somebody will start running that seriously here at US tournaments because that that's something that could easily like win like a hundred-man tournament just kind of as a shocker, just being like, oh well, people weren't ready to deal with it, and I set on mm-hmm. the objectives and I won.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. What do you uh, What do you think are the best uh, secondaries right now for us? Do you think? I mean, obviously, it's in my chat with Joni. He was he was taking stranglehold. Uh, he was taking Mutate a lot. Uh, Mutate seems really good. Um, Stranglehold seems really good just because you have to play the objectives. And then I don't know where Rod fits in, but you have that. And then, you know, I've seen you get into the discussions around Burn Worlds. And Burn World seems like there's only like maybe one or two boards where it's Yeah, there's two. Even there's one worthwhile. where it's good. There's one where it's kind of okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I think there's the other one, which is, I think it's Wrath of Magnus where you're... Uh, it's just they have a, they have yeah, a Psyker and you Magnus. do more mortal mortal wounds, yeah. The, so in, in most cases, yeah. I'm on the same page
0: as Joni. I, I like taking Stranglehold whenever it's an option. um I, I was talking to Joni about that for just a minute at New Orleans because he doesn't have the 10-man Terminator block and I, I, he also doesn't have like, the only cheap throwaway he has is a two-man spawn unit and I have like, two five-man spawns, and that mm-hmm. enlightened unit that I can throw. Like I feel like Stranglehold for him should actually be pretty hard, but he was making it work, but Stranglehold's always a good one. I still like doing Warp Ritual a lot. Uh, I actually prefer it... Well, I guess it depends on matchup, but in matchups where they have a relevant assault element, uh, the opponent, I like taking it on missions where there's not an objective in the center because then there's not going to be as much of a bogged-down fight in the middle, and I can probably sneak a character up there to do Warp Ritual, Yeah, but obviously that's gets into the conversation i was you were saying that uh literally i think we were talking about earlier today or last night in the discord was mutate landscape is better than uh than burn empires is what it's called mutate landscape is better than burn empires like that is a true statement mm-hmm. but burn empires locks you out of banners while mutate locks you out of warp ritual and that changes the math on things right so there are cases where like a like statement a mutate landscape is better than burn empires full stop that is true but there are cases where burn empires plus warp ritual is better than mutate landscape plus whatever else you would have taken and that's the thing people aren't doing they're not taking that second step so there are cases on those two deployment maps and i don't have them off the top of my head but when you look at the deployment maps it's very obvious (laughs) there are two where there are two objectives right barely outside of your deployment zone Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you can play Burn Empires on, like, and even, even on certain other maps. I'm still taking Warp Ritual, like the four objective map. That's a common one to be mm-hmm. played at tournaments. Like, obviously, I'd be, I'd rather take Warp Ritual than the the four mutate options. Right. Um, so I still take that a lot. Uh, so it's usually Stranglehold on most maps, uh, Warp Ritual on some. If your opponent gives you an obvious one, you can, you know, you can slot in a bring it down or a Wrath of Magnus here and there. Uh, I still take uh, grind them down sometimes, but I feel like that's list dependent because again, I don't have yep. easy throwaways other than that one enlightened squad. Like usually you're not picking up many of my units on any given turn. And like, if you're playing against like dark Eldar ad mech, you're picking up two, three, four of their units every turn because they have so many units. So I like grind them down a lot. Uh, I never like Rod. I, I don't. I don't think I've picked nope. Rod this edition, even when it was the prior version. I just I don't like it. It doesn't work well with uh, with duplicity because we're teleporting too late to do it. Right. Um, what are the others like, like well obviously
1: the, the, one the, the, surface, uh, the one that's beneath the surface the one that beneath the surface I think is uh, to the last and there's kind of like this dilemma yeah. I mean you know you know the thing I've been talking about is just <laughs> okay design your list in a way so that you've got two demon princes and a character and some other character and those are your three to the last units and you have a way to just make it so the rest of your army just functions it it, it just functions like it just goes and does its thing and you know, it's kind of like Harlequins is a really good, uh g- really good matchup yeah. for that. Where to the last is good, right? So you know they've got to come to you, so you can you can set up everything in a way for that for that to work for you. I I feel like I'm aggressively biased against to the last in the same way I am against Volkite
0: Dreads. I just there's something about it that doesn't work in my brain. I just hate it. Like and a I don't like Demon Princes right now either. Like I'm very down on Demon Princes, so that that oh, makes it less of an option for me. Yeah, I don't I don't like RDPs at all. But it's it's a thing where to the last can cause such absurd turn five swings that I've Mm -hmm. scared myself off of it. And again, you have to design a list into it and my lists don't function that well into it, but like I've played people who take to the last and it's like, okay, I'm down by 20 points on turn five. I still have a chance. If I just YOLO at those three dudes, (laughs) like like, let's just (laughs) throw dice at the two guys I need to kill and see if I pick up 10 points this turn. Like it, it makes the final turns play weird. And there's an even deeper element there where if those are Demon Princes, I'd rather be in a position where, and again, I don't even like Demon Princes, but I'd be rather be in a position where on turn five, I go, okay, this guy doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to throw him across the board and try to do some damage. But if you're playing to the last, you lose that option. You have to go, oh, right. well, at all costs, I have to keep this Demon Prince alive. And in my opinion, it's just kind of a, I think the, I think the terminology they use in card games is a non-bow. It's the opposite of a combo where, it it
1: works against the concept of how the unit should work. Hmm. Interesting. Cause I I've I've been thinking about the concept of two demon princes with a big block of Terminators. Mm-hmm. And so those three you know, logically they're very hard to kill. So you could take Cult of Time, you have one demon prince that can get back up, and then you take the conniving plate and the minus one damage on the other one, where now you have one that's just Pretty tanky, hard to kill, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I just I I aggressively dislike those Demon Princes.
1: I just That's every time right.
0: I look at one, I'm like, that could be like a sorcerer or two sorcerers, and, and like a bunch of stuff. Points. And yeah. you're having to commit relics, and our relics are so good. Like I I don't want to have to be using relics that aren't you know like the Prism or the Orrery yeah, or yeah. the Dark Matter Crystal. Like I, I want all four of my relics. I, I just slot in Dilettante every time I open a list because I'm going to be taking yeah. four relics.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm not taking wings on my Demon Princess. So they're in duplicity. It's fantastic because it's a 100 and, what, 140, yeah, 100, one, uh, sorry, 140, 145, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a 150 point model. I think at least one of them you can make the case for a duplicity, especially with conniving yeah. plate, minus one damage. And you can throw it across the board, even late game. He's got the same aura that the exalted sorcerer has. And if you're not going to take another, um, like if you're not going to take a, uh, what do you call it? Like an exalted sorcerer? Yeah. Or, uh, or if, you're, if you're in a position where it's kind of like, all right, I have three HQ slots. I'm going to stick to one battalion. I can take a demon prince, I can take a regular sorcerer or a terminator sorcerer and the infernal master, and then I've got more options there, and I've I've freed up some more points. Um and then the demon prince can act like the exalted sorcerer for a good bit of time. And then at later point in the game you you fling them, you you know yeet him across the board and just let him go do his thing.
0: I think the other thing that's scared me off the the demon princes and in particular a wingless demon prince is again they they tend to obviously you're you're paying extra points for the melee output like mm-hmm. compared to a sorcerer they are just a sorcerer with some melee output yep i find it very hard to get use out of that melee output in a way that is both relevant to the game and doesn't immediately get that demon prince killed and the part of that is a revelation I had with my Scarab Occult Terminators very early, which is that somebody would assault me with something, I'd survive, they'd kill some cultists or a couple Scarab Occults or whatever, and I would set up on the following turn to counter-assault it. I'd go, okay, there's five Sicarians here, I don't have to put, like, shooting into this, I'll just counter-assault it, I've got some guys standing around.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But then it was a matter of me not thinking fully through the psychic phase, because I'd go, oh right, I have five smites here that I wasn't going to use on anything this turn oh, look, that unit's dead. I don't need a counter-assault anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think that even further limits the angles that the Demon Prince has because a close counter-assault that's already hit your lines is like exactly what he wants. He's like, yay, there's something here. I can punch it without maybe getting murdered the following turn. But then you're like, well, what if I just picked it up with Smites? Oh, okay. He's still not doing anything.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of like I'm, what Joni was I'm just overpaying he, for a sorcerer. Yeah, where Joni was just saying the same thing where he would just take lots of cheap sorcerers essentially and just say look it's 90 points exactly i like, get so much out of that 90 points more than that demon prince
0: yeah i i have five characters on my list i have two infernal masters two sorcerers and an exalted and i i feel like if i was playing a demon prince there's just so many games where i'd be looking at it going why aren't you just a sorcerer <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like you could just be a sorcerer i'm not getting value out of the melee like yeah if you try to build the to the last you can find a spot for it i just i don't agree that it's efficient i guess
1: Right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Um, we're going to probably meet up at some point, I would imagine in Austin. You'll be in Austin. I'll see you. Yeah, absolutely. You can be uh, that thousand cents
0: player that sneaks into the top
1: bracket. Yeah. I I doubt that. I'm not that good. Uh, but we'll have a chance to definitely sync up at that point. And maybe we'll get a chance to, uh, you know, maybe do a special or something like that. And, uh, you know talk about the tournament talk about how things are going and go from there so uh justin thank you very much for taking your time to to come on here and humor me of all my questions and everything and you know we're definitely gonna have to do this again sometime
0: yeah we'll do it again in three years or whatever the, uh, yeah, the break was there yeah every, that's about what we're averaging year. right <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you having me on this was good times oh, no